Hi everyone and welcome to the Sweet Spot on a Farm episode 32, I think. <laughs> and we are not on a farm today, again. Um, I should really change the name of this podcast. We're in a shop and today I'm talking to somebody I've been trying to talk to for, for um, quite a while. Somebody who's gone through a very similar journey to myself, only at a much younger age. And now um, he's taken... Um, his journey a little bit further and tries to help others through his experience uh, and my guest today is Paul Best from E12 Foods. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very ready? Well. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> ready to tell me, ev- tell me everything. Well, I want to know everything. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I'd like to, because not everybody knows mm-hmm. your journey, so mm-hmm. I'd like to start with that. Um, okay. Tell me about your journey, because I know you got sick at quite a young age, yes. but mm. unlike any other normal child who would rely on doctors and mm-hmm. parents, you just decided to take your health into your own hands. What happened? Well, um, I took ill when I was 13. I'd only been in high school for a year, and I was very, very sporty. did a lot of athletics, a lot of football, and I just started at the start of second year. I just was really struggling, really struggling to get up in the morning and just to get through the day. And it felt like I had a flu, a really bad flu, except I didn't have any like nasal problems. I was just really achy and sore and just really struggling. So this was going on for weeks and weeks and I just couldn't seem to get it together. So I went to the doctor and they took blood samples and... They kept, you know, asking me all this list of questions, and I was waiting to see what it could be because I thought, oh, it's just maybe a really bad flu. Um, and then they they brought me back in and they said, well, we were just screening you for leukemia and all these other things, and it's not that, but we just know that your white blood cells are very active and they're fighting something, um, and you seem to have chronic fatigue syndrome, ME. So I was like, all right, okay. I didn't know what that was. I was like, so I was just thinking, oh, it's just something you'll get over. And uh, the doctor was like, well, no, it could progress pretty pretty bad. You could be in a wheelchair. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) That's unexpected. And I was like, flip. So what do you do when you're told something like that? And I was like, "Hmm, there's got to be a way that I'll not end up being in a wheelchair. It has to be something I can do. Um, and there was, there was nothing they could do. They just said, well, we'll just have to see how it pans out. You know, it could go away on its own. You could have it for 10, 20 years or whatever. So I was like, all oh, right, that's, that's helpful. So as the months went by, and you're sort of left there on your own, because literally that was it. That was all the help you got. So I was like, what am I going to do? Because it was all very ready very sporty and I was already trying to do my diet really well and at the time the, the wisdom was you got a carb load, loads of carbs, you want energy, you need carbs, carbs, carbs. And I was like I was wrecked. No matter how many carbs I took, I was floored. I was like something really wrong with my energy. Probably making it worse. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I didn't know at the time but it was. So I was going, what what can I do? And then I was thinking I must be lacking in something. Must be lacking in maybe vitamins or minerals or whatever. so I said well sure that's the logical approach to go down you know start you know 
doing that, so I did my best. I started to read up on it. I'd already knew a bit, but really focused myself. And it was kind of hard because it felt like I'd just run a marathon every day. I was completely wrecked. I mean, the first six months, I was sleeping 12 hours a day and getting up feeling as if I'd run a marathon. I was... And then I had just this brain fog all the time. It was weird because your body was aching all the time. It was just like a, a constant toothache. It was just sore. And I was like, I don't know what to do here. Um, other than change how I was eating to hopefully lessen it. So I did my best to research as best I could and started changing my diet and cutting stuff out and adding stuff. And, and I was aware it would take months before you could see a change. So you're thinking, at least try this for three, four months, maybe six months. So you keep doing this. And uh, didn't seem to be getting anywhere. As the years went by, it was just, literally I was trying everything I could. And nothing seemed to happen. I was cutting stuff out. I was doing it. I was like, what the heck? And I got to the point where I haven't tried everything. I thought, it has to be my gut. I'm not absorbing stuff, that must be it, because I'm taking in a lot of really good stuff and it doesn't seem to be making any difference, so it must be I can't absorb, so my gut's the problem, so I was like, great, okay, at least that's something fresh, get into that, so I'm doing my gut, you know, probiotics, and learn all about this, and it didn't make any difference. I was like, what the heck's wrong here? And I had tried, I'd come across Candida, because I thought maybe I had that, and I'd taken different things for that, and didn't seem to be an issue so I went oh, must be something I'm missing so I went back to trying to change with that so <laughs> and this is like years go by like 10 years have went by at this point and I'm just like what have I not tried what have I <laughs> changed that I haven't changed and then I was at a fit of despair one time I thought it still has to be my gut I just hadn't spent long enough on my gut even though it was six months or so I tried it must be really really bad so I went back in and I thought, oh, looking at all the symptoms and everything, I was like, I must have candida. I just must have. So I was like, right, I'm going to really focus on this. And I didn't realise how hard candida was to get rid of. And that was part of my problem. So I uh, Welcome I, to the club. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> As anyone who's tried, it's just like, it's, I thought. see, I thought I could starve it out. So I decided I'd cut out all carbs, apart from some greens, leafy greens with very little. I was eating loads of meat. It was nothing. It lessened it, it did lessen it, but it didn't take it away. And my gut was still not quite right, so I was like, what have I got to do? Because I was still taking probiotics, and I was like, what the heck? So I literally found um, this two companies, two different companies, and I found a really good uh, probiotic from Soil, um, and then a really good yeast cleanse. And I was like, okay, this is the best that I can find. The, all my research, and I'm like, I'm going to hammer this for six months to a year. I'm not going to stop. So it did. And that just, and it was a gradual thing. I couldn't say at any one point that, oh, that was when it was dealt with. It was a really gradual thing. But I think that had to be done first before I could even start to repair and do everything else. So that was just a nightmare. It's just 10 years of your life just for that. It's like... So when I, I kind of got the candida under control and massively reduced, um, then started to properly, slowly heal. But it wasn't, I, can, I can't point to a year or a time to go, that's when it all changed and that's when I got better. It was so gradual and so slow. And the only thing was it was in a very stressful situation because 
there's a lot of illness at home as well and I was trying to work at the time so it was weird because you didn't really feel as if any of the symptoms had changed but you knew you were getting better because I was able to do more you know I wouldn't have been able to have worked and went to the warehouse and did a lot of warehousing jobs it was quite physical uh, had I not been kind of getting better but that's what slowed down my repair as well because there was lots of other things going on which were dra draining at the same time so um, learning to sort of try and get better while dealing with all that kind of drew out the healing process as well so you're talking a good 15 to 20 years it took me to get better simply because of those things so that was my journey as to but before I took ill at 13 every single year I've been given two antibiotics mm -hmm. the yellow one and the pink one that's all I knew as a kid because it was yellow <laughs> and pink so I was always given the yellow and the pink one every single year and knowing what we know now you know it was just wrecking your, your gut and your immune system and then of course with the wisdom of carbo loading well that was just a recipe for just candida running amok and yeah. again I can't put it down to any one thing but I had forgotten at the time but my mum had reminded me that I had got a vaccine shortly before I took it as well not saying the vaccine caused it but it's just another layer you know it's it's definitely one of these things and I know that the talks about vaccine is yeah. very controversial topic over the past two three years sort of and I don't want to you know say no vaccines or yes. yes to vaccines I think it's a very great area because I am in one way I am very pro vaccine yes we need them but sure. we need safe vaccines and yes. unfortunately I think what's happening is that vaccines aren't tested properly and I think the problem is that people with underlying conditions are exactly. going to yeah. respond to vaccines in a very different way than yeah. somebody who's relatively healthy and different conditions will affect it. Exactly. So it, it, again, I'm not blaming the vaccine because obviously it's not as linear as that. Not everyone that gets it gets it. But it's just like you said, it's it's a combination of... Yeah. And that was just maybe the last that tipped it over. But I, pro I could have probably taken it anyway at, at some later date just because... Um, you know, it just wasn't the right that long term, but that was the sort of recipe and the mixture that led up to mine being the way it was. Um, so having got semi better, even after about 10 to 12 years, my first job was in, in the health store because I kind of knew my stuff to help other people, but I just couldn't help myself, <laughs> you know. So uh, thankfully at the time, a guy who I went into, he gave me a part-time job with him. So that's what started me at least trying to feel useful and help other people um, while I was still trying to tweak and fix the rest of myself. You know? And I suppose it's a good environment to work in where you can continue learning because obviously mm -hmm. new supplements keep coming in. Exactly. There's new research coming mm -hmm. up and as you have to research goods yeah. to, to put in the store you come across new supplements exactly. you come across new foods you come across new things all the time and I was happy to be the guinea pig to yeah. experiment it all because I was desperately certain, searching for that last wee bit that extra bit just to give me um, and you just learn there's like in any industry there's a lot of hype and, you know and it's not all the be all and end all you know it's, it's a combination of things but uh, there's so many things are 
tout it as this is the one thing you need for this and I'm like oh, I wish it was that easy and it's, it's not um, it never is it's, it's yeah. not even just with products or supplements that yeah. this is the one thing it always depends on an individual exactly it's yeah. I definitely think that personalized integrative medicine is the only way to go especially when it comes to chronic conditions and absolutely and and yes there is there is a like a what i would call a pooling or a grouping of things that will generally work but you have to in that pooling and grouping you have to individualize it as to the amounts and the timings and that's where all the variations are but there is you know you can generally say for certain conditions this is sort of the, the catchment area of things you need to do but it will be different for each person. So that's where the tailoring comes in. And it's like learning the language. It's learning how to interpret what's going on in the body and trying to get people to understand their own body and what it's telling them. Because far too often, and I was, I was just guilty because when you're doing sports, you're always pushing past how you feel. And I think a lot of people are like that, just like, well, I had to do this, this, oh, well, you know, and they take a stimulant or take something else just to push past how they're feeling. Instead of stopping and going, hold on a second, what's my body actually trying to tell me here? Maybe I should, you know, listen to it. <laughs> um, and you just keep pushing past. Eventually, it's going to go, that's it, I'm, I'm done, I'm out. So that's, I think, a big part of... Even when I am asked to do talks in different places, the very first thing I'll say is the two things that you need every day of your life, which in 18 years of schooling you're not really taught about, is food and money. No matter what your intelligence is, no matter what job you're going to do, it's the two things everyone needs every day. Yet it's the two things that people don't know enough about. And, you know, the education system, as conspiratorial as it sounds, I don't think it's an accident that we're not taught a lot about food and money. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I was on... Um uh, on a podcast actually two days ago and we were talking about the same thing kids today should be really taught Absolutely. about where food comes from because mm-hmm. when I was a child I mean I, mm-hmm. I went to P1 and P2 I went to um, countryside to school mm-hmm. and we had a um, really nice garden attached mm-hmm. to the school yep. and so we had plots of different veggies mm-hmm. and fruits and we were looking after them and we, we mm-hmm. were taught kids today they don't know how things are grown they no. think that the veggies come from supermarket come in a bag yeah <laughs> in a bag mm-hmm. even worse and it's it's people are disconnected from it all and but it's it's also understanding like you said sort of not always given in to how you feel. You know, people go, but I feel like I need carbs. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, your your body's really saying it needs energy. Yeah. And it's not that it needs carbs. You can still get energy from other sources. So it's that's what I mean about getting people to understand food in the sense of understanding not only roughly the ratios of protein, fat, and carbs, but how to mix them. You know, my my grandfather was a a gardener for years, so I grew up with him growing everything, you know, a greenhouse and keeping animals and stuff, but even in all of that, it wasn't enough to teach me how to, you know, listen to my body and what it needed. But that's since the Second World War, because carbs are cheap and they last longer on the shelf, so it makes sense that they would want to push that. Yeah. And it's just calories, they were just thinking calories, they weren't thinking, you know, 
like 100 calories of fat, as you know, it works totally different than 100 calories of protein, works totally different than 100 calories of carbs. It was all, again, what can we get out there, what can last longer, sugar, salt, you know, mm -hmm. carbs, and just getting those ratios in order to get people to keep coming back, because you just constantly feel hungrier on carbs, which You're I was, right. <laughs> I was eating carbs like they were going out of fashion, you know? Yeah, that, was it. That's, that is really funny because when I was eating carbs, I was definitely eating like every two hours mm -hmm. and I really felt like I had to eat Yo, every yeah, two hours. Absolutely. Whereas now, I mean, I went to the very opposite, but just because it suits my body and lifestyle at the minute, it might yes. be a different story a year sure. from now. Of course. But yeah. right now, because I'm on keto, I can actually get away with eating twice a day. Yeah. And it's, I get enough calories, even in training, because mm -hmm. fat is obviously a lot more calorie dense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not hungry in between. I, I don't snack. I don't need to snack. And it's not just out of principle, but because yeah. my body's not needing Need it. Not, exactly. But this all seems to stem from after the Second World War and heart disease. That was the, you know, fat. And then they just labeled all fat the same. And fat was a problem. Fat's a killer. So... We need to take out fat, and of course when you take out fat, the texture of food isn't as good, and it doesn't taste as good, so then you have to put a whack of sugar in it. So then, it's just like great. So all these inflammatory diseases just started to escalate since then, because the ratios are well off, you know. There are really good talks about this on Chris Cresser's podcast. I keep mm -hmm. going on about him, but mm -hmm. I've just rediscovered him recently and I've been listening to him every day. And I actually lis lis listened to a couple of podcasts on fat in particular over the mm -hmm. past couple of days. And, and they're quoting some really good researches oh, yeah. from the past. And it's incredible how misleading all of that was. But it was done intentionally, of course. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit like the tobacco industry. It, you know, you can make a study say what you wanted to say, you know. Yeah. And it's sort of the same thing to protect interests. No one actually listened to the biochemists who were saying the whole time, oh, this is totally wrong. I was just like, no, what would you know? You're just biochemists. Um, <laughs> so they were constantly going with other scientists, but not really the right scientists. So it's just all marketing. And unfortunately, and actually, in the end, what they discovered in the end is that actually fat does not have an impact very much on cardiovascular diseases exactly. it's all the other stuff and if you keep the fat and reduce all the other stuff namely bad yes carbs exactly inflammatory it actually yeah. the infl exactly the inflammatory stuff mm -hmm. it, it actually the percentage of people getting so, the disease are, is going which makes down. sense because look at our grandparents look how much fat they had. my granddad died last year at 94 and he cut butter like cheese <laughs> like I couldn't do it uh, that would turn me it was just so thick well, in fact, there's an expression here called chewing the fat, which means, you know, to have a talk. Yeah. And that was literally people would have had bits of fat dried in a jar on the mantelpiece. And if you came around as a guest or a visitor, you know, they would have given you one. And you sat there chewing the fat while you were talking. <laughs> the answer, that I've is, never heard that before. Yeah, chewing the fat. <laughs> it's, it's a, a lot of people haven't heard it, but it's a In fact, there's a, there's a great comedy show in Scotland called Chewing the Fat. That's that, funny. And that was literally, they would sat around chewing the fat. I, I remember even my grandparents telling me that part, you know, oats in the morning. They, they did it in water, didn't do it in milk. And after they cooked it, they then put in cream and butter. Yeah. Like probably a few years ago, I would like crunch on it. And now, and now I'm like, No, no, yeah, it makes sense. But when you're a kid, know, it's like. Pff, I pour olive oil 
onto my cereal. Okay. Like I made, I made this cheesecake for breakfast today, mm -hmm. and to bind my my sort of like like the biscuity part mm -hmm. that I made for my keto muesli yep. kind of thing to bind it, mm -hmm. I just used olive oil. But it's it's getting back to the way again. I have a rule of thumb. What have we been doing for thousands of years? Can't have been that bad because we wouldn't be here. So, this past hundred years, we've went way off what we've been doing the past several thousand. So, you kind of have to look at that and go. Mm maybe we should take a, a pointer from what they were doing and they just had a lot more fat again the ratios were better and it wasn't as processed and it's good that it's coming out now more and more the lies that we've been sold and told and it's so much cheaper in the long run to teach people and an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure you know so when did you actually figure out that you shouldn't be eating carbs well, the candida <laughs> oh, yeah, was sort of, course, of my first kind yeah, of like, why did I get candida and other people aren't getting candida? I'm like, it has to be a cause. And then I was like, oh yeah, the feeding sugar. And oh yeah, I've been eating a <laughs> lot of that. And not even simple sugars. It wasn't, it was more complex carbs, but still. So I was like, mm. and then I realized my ratios were well off. It was like, I'm not getting enough fat. And then that was... The process of trying to figure out how much I actually needed and trying to work out how to eat it <laughs> because you kind of need carbs with it because I couldn't eat like my grandparents and stuff like people can drink oil or take straight off the spoon it, it turns me and for some reason I can't can't stomach it so I had to get creative as to I can eat this fat <laughs> with keeping my carbs low because I almost needed the carbs as a vehicle to eat the fat, you know, because need, I needed it to be melted in and mixed in because that was the only way I could get it, so that's where it just took me quite a while, especially when you're working and trying to prepare and trying to get time to do all these things, it's How so hard. How did you do it in school though? So you're, you were sleeping obviously a lot, you were constantly tired, you were 13 years old. Well I How left school you, you see, I left school. What, what age were you when you left school? Well, I just turned 14 because my birthday's in September, so literally um, I sort of had got it then and I left the first term of second year, so when I was 14, so I didn't go back to school. So This is crazy now because you obviously over the year, how old are you now? 37. So you're the same age as me, so... Mm -hmm. You learn over so many years so much. You obviously taught yourself everything oh, yeah. about biology, chemistry. Absolutely. You taught yourself to read research papers. Mm -hmm. And you know a lot more than about nutrition than, you know, that's yeah, some of people. the doctors, which is, that's just the way it is today. Yeah. Would you not consider, I mean, there's never too late. Would you not consider oh, to sure. go back to school and so you can actually really truly help people yeah it's, it's a valid it's a valid point but i suppose a i either didn't have the time or didn't have the money or both because <laughs> you were just sort of trying to survive because i was trying to get better and trying to work and unfortunately i didn't really have the opportunity to do that um and also a piece of paper with ink on it while that can open doors and give you a certain respect amongst other people Results are a better indicator of what you know than a piece of paper, I think. And I think sometimes, coming at it from my point of view, people listen a bit faster 
and also my whole identity isn't wrapped up in this because a lot of people when they do it this becomes who they are and what they do and I find this with people if, it, if you're too engrossed in it you can end up sort of pushing it and you get blindsided sometimes because this is like one trick pony this is all you're doing whereas I have other interests so this isn't my whole identity this isn't all my be all and end all it's, you know who I am and what I do it's a part of who I am and what I do maybe I will at some point but I've never felt like the urge and the necessity of doing so well I suppose through a health food shop you can probably do what Kerry and I were actually talking about that Mm -hmm. you can rather than getting wrapped up in this whole uh, medical or even alternative medical world you can actually offer people an alternative Mm -hmm. because if the alternative is available people are more likely to listen rather than telling them what they should be doing and they're not going to do it anyway exactly and it's really educating or that's even a very grand term. It's really sharing information. That's all I'm doing. I'm just like, um, I've learned certain things. Is that you're training people. It's like you don't heal anyone. It, you know, the body heals, but you're just trying to get them into a state in which the body can do what it's supposed to do. Yeah, because th- there's one thing that you said there, and that was to to, to listen to how body. our body reacts, to listen to our body, and I actually think that that's one of the most Mm -hmm. difficult things Mm -hmm. for us to learn because we live in a society where we're constantly pushed for time we're constantly stressed out Mm -hmm. we constantly live in a fight or flight mode Um, so we don't really take the time to sit down in peace and reflect on how we're feeling, how our body's responding, and we're trying to use shortcuts for everything. And unfortunately, for health, there there, there isn't a no. shortcut. No, and and everyone wants it, and I would have wanted it, but there's just there's no way around it. You got to learn. You got to learn the the process. You got to learn um, how to work with it. So it it really is like learn. A musical instrument, or learning a dance, or learning a language—it just takes time to familiarize yourself with it. There's an old saying here: certain things are better caught than taught, and you, then you learn how to t- tweak it. And everyone's different, so you're really trying to teach people to tweak it themselves, and encouraging them to listen and, and to interpret what that means to them. It's about patience as well, because you mm-hmm. need to be patient with yourself and you need to be patient yeah. with learning how to listen to yourself. And exactly. It's, yeah, I know from my own experience, um, I used to be one of the most impatient people and it took many years for me to learn. Yeah. And actually yoga was an, an amazing tool mm-hmm. for me to, to do that because it's really slow. It, it forces you to slow down at least for the 20 minutes you're on a mat. Yes. And that's, again, so much information overload and stimulus and everything's and then people don't like to look inside and don't like what they're feeling you know they're always again pushing past how they're feeling instead of sitting going okay why am i feeling this way what could be the cause and what could i do about it and again a lot of people i see here with a lot of physical problems comes from emotional and mental you know so it's very hard to draw the line between health physically and health mentally at times you know they, they do interact and one affects the other you know yeah one, one so. of my guests actually did say that we shouldn't be distinguishing mental health physical health it's just health, health exactly 
it's well worth people investing the time to learn this dance, this musical instrument, this language, because, you know, there's accrued benefits. Because in relationships, the two things, study after study I've looked at, that cause the biggest friction and the biggest reasons for a split is health and money. You know, so that, and that's what brings me back to the two things that everyone needs that we're not taught about as much as we should do is food and money, which food, health, you know, pretty, pretty close. Um, so it's, it's the same in our education society. We don't value these things and we're not spending enough time in the right areas and hence our ratios are way off. And we have a huge debt and huge problems and huge health, you know, huge society problems, huge because we haven't got the ratios right. Again, it's not going to cure everything and make everything utopia like, and everyone's going to be amazing. But you can definitely massively reduce the amount and make it more manageable than what it is because it's just out of control. It's just like an exponential curve. It's just getting worse and worse and worse, and people are freaking out. People don't know what to do. And it's like it's. It's not that complicated. It won't turn overnight, but there's definitely things you can do and implement now that even within five years you can make a massive difference. And it's just really getting people to see that it's achievable and it's actually doable. But you have to make the effort and you have to you have to do the work. No one can do it for you. Like I can't eat the food for you. <laughs> I can't make the choices yeah. all the time for you. Um, so I'm more interested in teaching people how to think rather than what to think I think the main thing is that unless you're willing to prioritise your health over everything else then nothing's going to help you because as you said you yeah. need to put the work in it nobody's going to do it for you no, and the, our, the culture of you know I'm gonna get a pill and it's gonna fix me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what fantasy. we've been taught. Yeah. Like that's that's what I thought on my pretty my pretty much my mid twenties. Like, well, it it just suppresses things. And again, a lot of people just assume, "Oh, I'm anti drugs, anti medicine." I'm not. It's, they have their place in what I would call short term crisis medicine. It's great for blocking, stopping, stabilizing. Oh, for it, I'm I'm not anti. I'm really anti them being used long term because it's like putting scaffolding on a crumbling building doesn't stop the building crumbling it slows it down um, but scaffolding's good but scaffolding's not a substitute for repair um, and those drugs body can't use to repair so it's just a misuse of a tool but it's a useful tool I would love that to be the case you know from an ideological point of view that would be amazing but from a practical realistic point of view See if you're in a car crash or a shotgun wound or something, you'll be pretty damn pleased that there's drugs out there to help you. And, and this is actually, big. I suppose, when, when sort of working in a health food shop comes in, because you can really offer people the right alternatives and, 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 and the, the, the range of products so they can make the right choice for themselves. Um, so how did actually, how, how long have you been in Intel? You've been here for quite a while. Five and a half years. One I started originally in Lisburn in a health shop 14 years ago um, and then I was made redundant at the time because a few of us were um, after a couple of years so then I got a job doing warehousing somewhere else for seven years <laughs> but I was still always researching still always 
you know, I could help people here and there where I could, and then again, the financial crash, I made it redundant again, <laughs> so I couldn't get anywhere for two years, and then it came about that the guys who had here were selling, and I happened to know one of the people in the barn, and uh, someone else who was buying it, so I was like, well, I have a bit of experience, you know, I can definitely help you out if you're looking at any staff and they said great so that's how it came about um, so that's why I've been here ever since and, but again even the terminology health shop makes me cringe a bit or health store yeah. I, it's it's really getting people to think lifestyle because it's, it's, people just think oh when I'm ill I'll go there I'm just like no 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 <laughs> just maintain <laughs> this is our everyday life you just want to go there it's it's for healthy living as even cliche as that is, it makes me cringe too. But I'd still prefer that than health store, health shop, because it's yeah. But then again, what else would you call it other than the health food shop? I, I mean, know, but it's well, healthy living, or is a wee bit more, I think, because it's like a continuous. Yeah, thing. but a health food shop is a lot shorter <laughs> word than <laughs> is, healthy living shop. <laughs> but, but no, I I, you know I, 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 no, I yeah. totally get what you're saying. It's, it's too. It's almost like you've arrived. Health, there you go, and it's like uh, it's <laughs> you're, not, you're gonna buy. Yeah, you're gonna you're buy, gonna buy health. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna walk out with health here, and like, that unfortunately, doesn't happen. But it's it's sort of the continuous. It's a it's not just a, a static state. You're healthy, you know. It's getting people to realize it's an accumulation of lots of little things that you do. So, how are you approaching? What see when you're uh, when you're getting new products? Yep. Or when you're ordering products, how would you approach, um, you know, researching and getting new products, and especially when it not ju not just when it comes to supplements. I mean, even food. Again, because of my journey and your journey and others, you're looking at the ingredients and the ratios. That's a part of it. Um, obviously, we do stuff here for people who are on very restrictive diets you know, gluten-free or lactose-free or lots of other things, so at least they can have something that's kind of tasty that they don't feel as if they're a leper, like, you know, I just had the lettuce and rice cakes or something, you know, um, but it's, that's part of what I would look at, again, looking at the fillers and looking at other additives in with it, and it is a sliding scale because some of the really good stuff it's very expensive and not everyone can afford that so even though there's some stuff that I prefer certain things not to be there it's not the worst for you so it's cheaper and it's more you know more affordable so you'd have that in as well so it's trying to meet the need of a lot of people but also then part of your business is the trust factor and getting people to realize that you know there is a effort put in to not be selling something just for the sake of selling it you know it's not just there to make a profit it's to help someone primarily and then secondary if that helps business that's good but um, it's really looking at it from that point of view because even when I came in here I reduced the amount of supplements that there was there was a whole shelf taken away and tried to narrow it down because there isn't 60 ways to do one thing you know there isn't um so you're really just again trying to accommodate different people in different brackets of those that can't afford where they're at and the best that I can give them for 
that price. But there is certain standards, certain lines that it just won't do. And even if it is cheaper, it's just I don't think worth bringing it in. Even if some people really, really want it, I'm like, I just can't agree with certain ingredients in that. I just can't can't bring it in. You know. I think with supplements, it's quite um, it can be controversial because, I mean, with you obviously because you're coming from a different point of view, mm -hmm. it's really helpful to come to a shop where you know you're not gonna spend money on something that you don't need. I mean, yeah. obviously if people don't ask you for help in, in making yeah. the right choice, then you're not gonna know. No. But, you know, a lot of businesses probably just sell anything regardless of whether that person needs it or not. Whereas exactly. people know that they can come here Absolutely. and ask for advice, you know, look, I need such and such supplement, which one would you recommend? I need yep. it for such and such, which is better. And exactly. they at least know that they spend the money on the right product for them rather exactly. than throwing money out the window and taking something that they don't actually need to be taken. And again, your reputation is based upon the trust aspect of, you know, you can't just be selling something for the sake of selling something, you know, because it's not good long term, you know. Plus, my own conscience wouldn't let me, you know, because I've been there, I've spent a clean fortune for years, and you get to the point where it's just like, even if someone came and told me, this is going to cost you 10 grand to get better, I would have went, as long as you can guarantee me that, let's go. You know, you get so tired because you spend thousands over the years anyway, just trying to get better. And this is where actually the fitness industry gets me and it drives mm -hmm. me absolutely mental mm -hmm. because whenever I was ill and I and I went to, I actually went to the gym because being at the gym mm -hmm. and whether I was doing Pilates or yoga or lifting weights, that mm -hmm. was the only time when I could forget about mm -hmm. being in pain Yeah. and when I could for forget about being sick. Because yeah. that was the only time I actually felt normal. Yes. And, but because my primer, my primer goal was to gain weight. Yes. Obviously, I occasionally would see a personal trainer, and the first thing they would tell me, "You need to take a protein shake." Of course. Now I don't know if anybody ever looks at what actually is in a regular protein shake that you can buy in a fitness studio. Mm -hmm. But honestly, if you look at the amount of ingredients and where those ingredients come from, it is a disaster in a bottle. Yeah, it is. I mean, the artificial sweeteners, the colorings, flavorings, within the whey itself, um, whey in a liquid form is very good, don't get me wrong, but when you start drying it and isolating it, it denatures some of the proteins and it's not bioavailable. Again, it's not absorbable, so there's issues with that and a lot of people find a lot of bloating in the takeaway too um, and that's again a big problem. I think soy protein is the worst. Oh, it, again, it's just not natural. Soy milk, you know, that's what they wash away when they make tofu. It's just like people in the East are smart enough not to drink this. Why are you drinking it? You know, so it's just it's crazy. I mean, they know you got to ferment it. I personally prefer prefer pea protein because sure. it works really well with me. It's yep. easy to absorb. Surprisingly easy to absorb. Yep. Um, taking into account that pea and actual garden peas can be difficult for some people to absorb, yeah. me included, but pea protein is fine. There is no one size fits all, and that is unfortunately why it just takes time for people to, it's like learning a language, it's a commitment, you, you kind of just got to get in there and try it and see what works for you, and 
learn. Talking of which, mm -hmm. what is your diet like these days? My diet, you see, I, I try and change it up all the time because again, rule of thumb, what have we been doing for thousands of years? Well, we would out with the seasons. Now, I'm not saying like hard and fast every three months you have, or every four months you have to change, but it's just that principle of cycling. So I do have a tendency to eat the same thing every day, roughly, for weeks on end, I do. And then I get sick of it and then change. So there is a, there's always been that natural thing within me to do that, but I've got better at it over the years because, again, realizing, especially plants, you know, you would maybe eat them every day, for so many months and then had to stop and then wait till the next season. But Do you eat seasonal veg then? Yeah, as much as I can, as much as I can. Um, and again, fruit, I would more eat fruit in spring and summer. I hardly eat any in autumn and winter. And again, research, from what I can see, you know, if you live in a hotter climate, your body's able to metabolize sugars better when there's more sunlight and more heat. So it depends where you are in the world it does have a bit of an effect epigenetically wise and there does seem to be some research that ancestral wise has a, a bit of an effect epigenetics wise you know, ratio um, so that's helpful um, but again it's down to the individual there's always exceptions but it's a good kind of starting point so that's what I would try and do and I would try and just take a break from no matter how amazingly good it is just take a break you know, when people come in to me and they go, I've been eating porridge for 30 years. And I'm like, oh, maybe you should stop doing that every day. Since you've been doing that for 30 years, it might be a problem. <laughs> yeah, like, I try, but sometimes it's so hard. Like, yeah. especially when you like make something new for breakfast and you really, really like it, that you just want to eat oh, you it do, every yeah. day. And that's fine. But again, if you're eating it every day for five years yeah. that might be a problem you know? I'm actually trying to be really good I try to change it up every day now and oh, if yeah. I have like that's, the same breakfast for like effort. three days it's just like see I make raw stuff and I just mm -hmm. put it in the freezer and then you just take that's it out of the freezer the night before and that's it no I, I do have a habit of getting into like a groove of eating the same thing for a while Just, but I think that's natural because again we would have been doing that you would, there wouldn't have been a lot of options you know, if you're growing stuff, it's just like, well, So what is this. your, like, daily routine? Like, like, do you have breakfast or do you skip breakfast? I do you have any eating in, mm. in eating windows or are you not that strict with I'm yourself? I'm not that strict. Generally, I don't feel like eating in the morning. I know it's real bad for a lot of people to go, it's terrible. You should be eating. But I just, I kind of go with what I feel. Um, if I have time, I will try and take something, but I usually, usually don't. Um, and again, it depends on time of year. In the summer, spring and summer, I tend to, to eat usually a breakfast more often than not, or is all I'm I don't know, just don't. Lunch, I just, I really go, I've really, I think, got good at listening to my body as to what it needs. So that can just vary. So I'll just roughly think, what am I doing today? Am I training? Am I not? Am I busy? Am I doing X, Y, and Z? So it's always fat first. I say to people, think about your fat first, then your protein, then lastly your carbs. So it's like, how much fat do I need? Because that's going to be my energy source. It's protein, and then the carbs to eat my fat with. <laughs> and it's just getting into that habit of knowing what works for your body at different times. And So it's, it's always changing. So there's no real kind of formula, I can say, other than that. It's just... I've learned to interpret my body better. Um, 
you know, times of stress, times of doing certain activities, what works for it? This is so hard. Like I've I've been sort of in the process of discovering that right now, mm. and it, it's something like when you say to someone, they would just like, oh, that's too much effort. Exactly. And it is a lot of effort, but you know what? It's worth it because it's your health. But it's a relationship. You, you got to look at it like you're in a relationship with someone else. Your body acts like a wee child sometimes, and it's crying and it's grinning and it's complaining. And you're like, hold on a second. <laughs> I know you're asking for this, but you actually need this, and it's really learning to go. You have to live with yourself every day for the rest of your life. So yeah. you got to get on with yourself. You got to learn how to work with it, and it's a relationship. And the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. So when people go, "I can't be bothered," well, it's a transferable skill. Are you willing to put effort into your romantic relationships, to your family relationships, to your business relationships? Well, you should put it into the relationship with your own body, and that's part of the problem. People don't because they're like. That'll do you. you, know, you hug, there you go. There's a chip. That'll do you. you know, there's people really treat their body so badly, and then they wonder why. It's just like, but I've been doing this for years. I'm like, yep, that's the problem. It's finally caught up with you, and the body just went. This relationship's not good for me. It's over. It's this what I would call food communism. It is food communism. It's this. There's one diet, and it's for everyone all the time. Where where has that worked? Because at different stages of your life, your diet's going to be different when you're a kid, when you're 20s, if you're pregnant, if you're not, in your 50s. So the word diet is from Latin, and it means daily. Literally, that's what it means. So everyone's on a diet. It's what, it was shorten, shortening from a phrase of your dietary intake, your daily intake. So what is your diet? What is your thing that you do daily? So that's that's what Abusing it is. Using my body for thirty years, exactly, and it's worked so far. Hello, exactly. <laughs> um, but again, it's it's the body. It's like this relationship isn't working for me. I quit because you've been abusing me for so long. And then people <laughs> are like, I don't know why it's you know I treated so well. I'm like, have you though? Have you really treated <laughs> it's well? Been eating processed foods for thirty years, it's yeah. never done nothing, and suddenly I'm sick. What happened? Yeah, mm. you've been <laughs> got to learn. So that's. It's that, again, it's food communism, is what I call it. It's literally, it's like, no, this, and again, every single time there's this new diet, and it's the be all and end all, and everyone should be on it. I'm like, people confuse short term benefits for long term benefits. Mm. You know, it's not one diet to rule them all. You know, we're not all the same in what we need and what we need to take. So it's learning that skill of how to interpret. And it's not so complicated that you can never master it or you need a PhD or you need to spend 20 years, you know, you can learn it, but it's the effort, you know, and no one can do that for you. And and there's definitely things that can speed up you learning it. Like, it, had someone taught me, it wouldn't have taken me as long, but it still would have taken me a couple of years to get into it um, and understand it. And that's what I try and do. I try and shorten it for people to go, this is what I've learned. You know, take out of what I've learned that suits you or helps you. I don't have all the answers, but say you're going to go on a holiday or buy a car or a washing machine. There's so many options. What do you do? Well, there's a process you start going through as to well, what what is exactly they need? What am I looking for? What do they offer? You know, all these variables, and you start going through. But people don't do that with their health. People just like give me something, give me what, give me, you know. It's like, oh, what's wrong with people? <laughs> it's, 
They use it in other areas, but when it comes to this area, it's like, you know. But that's again back to what we're taught. We're expecting to, when something's wrong, we're expecting to relinquish the responsibility and give it to the doctor to give us a pill that'll fix it all and we don't have to think about it. We don't have to put any effort in it. We don't have to look after our own health because surely the pill is going to do it. And it's unfair on them as well because I have a lot of family members who work in hospitals and, and different levels and it's a lot of pressure and stress on them and it's unfair to put all the responsibility for your health on them. It's just unworkable. Yeah, unfortunately that's not something we can solve tonight. Um, no. But tell me this, so you eat very much seasonally and it changes obviously, but do you have, at the minute, mm-hmm. do you have a favourite vegetable? I don't actually. I'm really, really bad at this because people go, "What's your favorite color? What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite food?" And I don't have one. It's <laughs> a, I know I don't. It's literally it's a group, and it sort of changes. I suppose I'm Irish, and the potato would be quite high up there in the favorite line. But <laughs> actually, it is potatoes at the moment. I don't really? Know. Yeah, yeah. I know. God, you lucky bastard! You can get away with eating potatoes. But with a lot of butter in it. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The the potato is my vehicle for the fat. So I really want it for the fat, not the potato. So I like it because vegetables help me get more fat. (laughs) So that's, it is, it's the way I smuggle it in. It's just like, oh, here's a wee car and it's full of fat. For a while there, I was like mashed carrot parsnip. I just loved it. And turnip too. But again, it was to get the butter in. To get and it was just like, oh, it was just like that was my vegetable at the time. It's like I'd stopped all potatoes. If I could get it more butter than potato, I'm happy. But it's it's really just there to mop up the fat. That's all. So, do you have any special recipe that you could share with us for I'm with re- potato? I'm really simple. See, like even a proper baked jacket potato with a lot of butter on it. I'm a happy man. It's real simple. Just just yeah. like that. Just like that. See for about say two fistfuls size of potato I'll use a quarter to a third of a block of butter people watch me at times and go like what are you doing? that's a serious amount of butter I'm like it is and it's delicious <laughs> how would you work it for vegan version? Would that, you use that is co- difficult coconut oil? you can use coconut oil um, or MCT oil I've had people use that because it's just a bit easier when it's um I actually never day. thought of using MCT oil for cooking. Yep. Just Although I can't it. quite imagine somebody eating like a third of a block of coconut oil with their jacket potato. <laughs> that would be quite an effort. Surprising. I mean, bulletproof coffees. I'm surprised at how much. Yeah, but it's different because you're kind of drinking it and it's melted. I know, but true. but it, I, would, I, I couldn't do that. I would turn me. Really? Yeah. For some weird reason, see oils taken straight. Just, but see if it's flavored or something else. No problem. See, I made I made hot chocolate one of these latte thingies Mm -hmm. that has like raw cacao powder and Mm. maca and ashwagandha Mm. and i made it with um oat milk okay yeah and i put like because of oat milk and because there is quite about three grams of carbs in the actual powder i put like two teaspoons of olive oil (laughs) in it to drink it it's probably you wouldn't Mm, but i just i drank it i was like that is a bit different, but I kind of liked it. Fair enough. A serum. A serum. That's what I'm saying. There's, it's what works for you. And there's not, again, food communism. <laughs> and I- with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, um, thank you very much. You're very welcome. For this chat. And um, yeah, I hope uh, people will find value in this and, and somebody will look really hard and critical on their diet and go... Hopefully. Yeah, I've been eating porridge for 30 years. It's time for change. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. I never realized how much you can laugh talking about food. And I think James started a serious trend in the previous episode. Um, if you want to know uh, how to make balls jacket potato, whether the original with butter or the vegan version, you need one large potato for bacon and a lot of fat of your choice, um, vegan butter or coconut or MCT oil, uh, whichever you want to use. Um, I guess you could use some seasoning if you wanted to. And then you just place your potato on a lined baking dish. Um, you can cut across in the middle and put a bit of your fat on it and then bake it at 180 or 190 degrees or so for about 20 minutes or until crispy but not burnt. I'd probably eat it uh, with a lot of side salad or steamed vegetables but um, you know whatever floats your boat and um, remember this recipe will be available on our social media either for a pdf download in the file section of our facebook group the sweet spot on a farm or as a jpeg on instagram if you liked this episode or any other and would like my knowledgeable and willing guests and myself to continue providing you with health related content and simple plant-based recipes we are going to need your help I'm not asking you for money. All I'm asking is for you to spend a couple of minutes to comment on our podcasts on social media or SoundCloud or even better, rate and review us on iTunes. This podcast, just like any other, cannot exist without growing audience. And the only way to grow our audience is by word of mouth. So please, please, please give us some stars on iTunes share on social media and comment on our episodes with feedback, ideas or anything else you feel like saying. And that's it for this episode. Have a lovely couple of weeks, switch your diet once in a while, eat what's in season and stay healthy. Until next time. Bye. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot, music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. Thank you.